Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. So Father, we want to just acknowledge Your presence right now. Acknowledge Your faithfulness. Lord, You are faithful and true. You keep Your words. You keep Your promises, God. There's so much to be grateful for, even as we just sang 10,000 and beyond, Lord, reasons to worship You and give thanks. But You are the Creator of the universe, and if there was no other reason, Lord, that would be sufficient. But You love us. You've pursued us. You've given Jesus Christ uh, to be the, 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 the propitiation, God, to be the sacrificial Lamb for us, Lord, so that we would have the hope of heaven. And You've preserved Your Word for us so that we could study the pages of Scripture, and learn who You are. And that's our intention tonight, Lord. We look to the Bible. The Word of God is our authority. This is what dictates what we believe. And we want this to have full reign in our lives, God. So may the idols fall away. May our false perceptions, false, uh, perceptions of life and truth fall away. And may we put on Your Word as, uh, as truth, as the foundation of, for living. So bless our study, we pray tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, there are a lot of exciting milestones in life, are there not? You know, there's, there's the milestone of graduation. I don't know if you remember the high school days, but like, it seemed like it took forever for senior year to finally finish. You know, like, week after week, every, every day, day after day, staring at the clock in science class and that minute hand just going so slow, right? And that day finally came and went. Unless you joined college and then you had to wait another four years to get out of, uh, to, to become a free man or a free woman. But th- for, for many of you, that day came eventually, right? And you're standing on the other side of that, expecta- that expectation and that hope. Another amazing milestone in life is marriage, right? We wait and we wait and we wait for God to bring along that right person. And I hope you are. I hope you're waiting for God to bring along the right person for you. But then those of you who have seeing this right person come into your life, you get engaged, and if you've gone through the engagement process, you know how long the wedding day takes to come around. You're like scratching off days off the calendar, and it takes forever to get there. And you, you're certain the rapture's going to happen the day before your wedding, right? <laughs> like that, that thought in the back of your head, like, no, Lord, please, not that day. Which side note, I can guarantee if the rapture does happen, you're not going to be disappointed in heaven. Heaven is way better than even your honeymoon. Way better than marriage, okay? You're not going to be disappointed. But nevertheless, we always have that thought, oh, the rapture's going to happen right before that, right? You know, so that's a, that's a fun milestone. And I can tell you on the other side of it, going through dating, going through engagement, and, and being married to my beautiful wife, it's, a, it's amazing to be on this side of that milestone, uh, to be in a healthy marriage. And if I could just preach for a moment on marriage, to, there are too many marriages out there that are like Ishmael marriages. Do you know what I mean by that? Those of you who've been going through Genesis with me, you know what it means when I say Ishmael. He was the son of the flesh. When Abraham took matters into his own hands, tried to help God out, Ishmael was the byproduct. And too many people end up in Ishmael marriages, meaning they get out ahead of God and they make it happen for themselves without God's timing. As it's been said, they weren't waiting for Mr. Right, they were looking for Mr. Right now. And they ended up getting into an unhealthy relationship. You need an Isaac marriage. What is an Isaac marriage? It's when you actually wait. When you trust God enough, even though He makes you wait longer than you would like to, 
for the right person to come along, that you can have a healthy relationship, a healthy marriage. Wait, it's so worth it, guys. As someone on this side of that milestone, I can tell you, just have patience and let God bring the right person. Another cool milestone is when your favorite team wins the Super Bowl or the championship, right? It's a cool milestone. Like as a guy growing up as a sports fan, you, you go season after season. Man, we didn't even make the playoffs this year. Maybe next year. You get all the way to the, to the championship and then Tom Brady has to pull another win out. Come on, Tom. You know? But you've experienced that. You've, you've, you've waded through these if you're a sports fan and you've finally seen your team win. Unless, of course, you're a Cleveland Browns fan, which I'm sorry. God bless those guys. I root for them every year. You know, but they just can't seem to pull out a win. They can't, they can't pull out a, a, a Super Bowl. In fact, many of you guys probably remember back in 2016 when the Cubs won the championship, right? It was such a huge deal. Why? They waited 107 years, 107 years to finally win a championship. That's longer than Abraham had to wait, guys. That's like, that's like super long. So it was amazing when that finally rolled around. And I'll, I'll never forget my sixth grade year. It was the best year for me in sports. For one, because I was way more into sports than I am now. I don't have time to watch football or to follow the teams anymore. Plus, I can't, like, there's way too much important information i got to fill my brain with than sports stats now. But back then, man, I was, like, super big into sports. And both of my teams, Brett Favre led the Packers to the Super Bowl that year, 97, and we won. And the Wildcats won the championship, the basketball team that year. And so it was just an amazing year of sports for me. And I'll never forget it. It was, an, it was a cool milestone. So many of us know what that feels like. And, and of course, the... the the height of, of milestones that most people say, oh, I'll never forget that day. The greatest milestone. Um, Christian and Espy are experiencing now. They're on the other side of having your first child. It is an amazing experience. And tonight, we're going to see Abraham and Sarah finally receive the, the same hope that they had. Only for them, it was far more, every child obviously is miraculous, but for them, they're 100 years old. This was a work of God that they had waited 25 years for God to fulfill. And tonight, we finally get to see it fulfilled as we've waited along with Abraham. We've waited a lot less time than he has, though, right? Verse 1, it says, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. You can underline that. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. Highlight that. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. When? At the time of which God had spoken. Underline that. You think God is trying to make a point here? Just like I said would happen, it has come to pass now. See, if God said that it would happen, it is guaranteed to happen. Guaranteed to happen if God promised it. Do you guys realize that? If God makes a promise to you and to me, he will fulfill it. There is nothing too great for God to accomplish in your life. And if He promises to do something, He will see that promise through. He's faithful. There is one thing, however, God cannot do. God, there's something God can't do. I don't know if you realize that. God cannot lie. He can't. It is contrary to His character. Therefore, when God says something, it is true. And when God says He will do something, He will fulfill it. He visited Sarah as He said. The promised child came exactly when God said it would come. God knows what He's doing. He knows the right timing for your life. 
if we just wait on Him, if we just trust Him and worship in the waiting. Verse 3. It says, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore uh, him Isaac, which, as you know, means laughter. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. So here Abraham is being obedient. He's continuing to obey God's commands. Verse 5, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Who would have guessed that? It's hilarious. It's nobody, nobody would get, in fact, people visiting her are going to be like, Who's, is that your grandson's baby? Uh, well, no, it's actually my baby. What, Seriously? You nurse an old woman nursing a baby. It's just a weird, a weird picture. It's funny is what it is. She's like, people are going to laugh at us, and they're going to laugh with us. Yet I have bore him a son in his old age. So as Isaac is born, the, the promised son has finally arrived. He brings laughter. He brings humorous laughter, obviously, but he also brings joy in fulfilling these guys' desire. Great joy. You could, you could just imagine the smiles they had on their faces. Like, I cannot believe this. this is incredible. I mean, I, for Sarah, all hope was gone to the point that she was willing to hand over a, a maidservant. She, she had reckoned herself completely outside of the will of God for Abraham's life, and yet here it is. God said, no, you're, just, you're still a part of this plan. And now she's finally vindicated she finally really now sees she is a significant aspect to this important promise to Abraham. So they, they bring, it brings humor into their life and it brings joy into their life. But for Hagar and for Ishmael, it brought a different kind of laughter. It brought, a, it brought scoffing. It brought mockery for Hagar and Ishmael. Verse 8. It says, And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing, scoffing, making fun of Isaac, the, prom- the son of promise. Now, most scholars believe that the time of weaning for a child in that day was three years old. And so Abra- Isaac is likely three years old. We also know that Abraham was 100 when Isaac was born, and Abraham was 86 when Ishmael was born. So Ishmael, at this point, is about 17 years old. 14 years when Isaac was born and now three years later. So he's basically like a young, young adult. But up until Ishmael was 13 years old, Abraham treated him like he was the promised son. That's what he knew. He was the pampered prince. Ishmael was. But when Ishmael, around the time Ishmael was 13, God came to Abraham and said, look, this is what you think, but this, this was your doing. I never told you to sleep with Hagar. I never told you to take matters into your own hands. This is not the chosen son. In other words, I willed that this child live because I allowed him to be conceived, but he is not the heir. This, this was your doing. I'm going to take care of him. I'm still going to love him, but he is not the son of promise. He never was, and he never will be. And you could imagine the resentment Ishmael and Hagar would feel 13 years of being treated like the prince, and now all of a sudden, the promised son, the true promised son comes, comes along. And as they pamper him, and as they celebrate him, the true prince, Ishmael just feels cast aside. 
you can kind of identify a little bit with that. Like, you could understand how he would be frustrated, how he would be feeling, and how Hagar would be feeling. And it comes off in scoffing, in mockery. It manifests in this moment, and it sets Sarah off. Sarah sees it, she gets all mama bear. Like, "Mm -mm, this is not going to happen in my family. So what we're about to read is, is difficult when you see it for face, at face value. The, the pain it brings to the relationships, really how, how hard and messed up the situation is. However, we need to remember as well that God is giving us, with Hagar and Ishmael and Isaac, He gives us a typology, sim, symbolism, that we need to keep in mind, which is in Galatians chapter 4. And specifically, he tells us that Isaac is a representation of the new covenant, of, of salvation by grace alone. Whereas Ishmael and Hagar, they are a representation, a type of the old covenant given on Mount Sinai, the law that we could never keep or fulfill. I'm going to read it to you actually. Galatians chapter 4. In verse 21 it says, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh. It wasn't God's, God's will or God's plan. While the son of the free woman was born through promise. It was aligned with God's will. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. That's, in, that's an interesting statement because remember, Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, this is an actual symbol that God put in the Old Testament. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery, and she is Hagar. When the law came, the law was never intended to save us. Rather, the law was intended to show us our slavery to sin. The law was given to us so that we would be aware we could never keep it. And it was bondage. The law was bondage. It was intended to be that so that it would lead us to the Savior. It would give us the desire for freedom found in in, in Jesus. Verse 25, Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. And many of the Jews in the New Covenant in the first century still followed the law and rejected Christ. And they were also literally in bondage to the Romans. Verse 26, But the Jerusalem from above is free. And it goes on to say in 28, Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of the promise. You you true believers are children of the promise. But just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. You Jews who are following Christ now, the new Messiah, saved by grace, it's just like it was with Isaac and Ishmael. The Jews who are following the law who have rejected Christ, they were actually the the biggest uh, um, party that was persecuting the church. They They were the ones who were most aggressive in the persecution of the early church. It was the religious Pharisees, the legalistic people who still tried to maintain the law. And he said it was a picture that was represented in Ishmael's mockery of Isaac. And then then it says, but what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. If we are children of grace, we are free. 
We are not bound by law. We are not obligated to keep the law by means of salvation. So as you look at what's happening here in the family dynamics, it's a tough scene. It's really sad. It's heartbreaking is what it is. Difficult for Abraham. Difficult for Hagar and Ishmael for sure. But when you consider the typology here that Galatians gives us, it says something else. It's speaking something very clearly to us that we'll dive into in just a second here. Verse 10. So she said to Abraham, that's Sarah, cast out the slave woman with her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on the account of his son. It it broke his heart. How could he cast out his son that he loved and raised as a child? What What a difficult thing that Sarah is asking Abraham to do. But I want to tell you that this is an accurate representation of the drama that many blended families experience. And I just, again, want to take a moment here and talk with you guys about marriage. Blended families deal with so much deep-seated hurt and pain. And and they will tell you, in fact, I know godly men and women who have had difficult pasts and find themselves in a blended family situation. And they'll tell you it's not easy. Some of them turn out to be healthy, but all of them have difficulties and struggles and trials. In fact, I have one couple who, I'm, who I was good friends with, very godly man and woman, who are still married to this day, but they were remarried and they had stepkids that came into the picture. And the husband told me straight up that his wife and, and he both, both knew and, and said to one another, if we had known the pain and heartache this would have caused us and our, and our kids and our stepkids, we probably wouldn't have gone through with it. That's how difficult it was and what they saw and its, its effects. God has designed marriage to be between one man and one woman for life. A healthy, established relationship whereby children can grow up in the security of the relationship of a, of a loving husband and a loving, wife, uh, and a loving wife. That's the design of family. And so I, I encourage you, Make it every, your every intention to wait for the right person and to remain married to that person when they come along for the rest of your life. My friends who, who have experienced blended family situations, I'm not knocking that situation. They would be up here telling you the same thing. It is not what God designed. It is difficult. It is hard. And we're seeing that dynamic come out now for Abraham, having gone outside of marriage, slept with another woman, having a son out of wedlock. It creates a lot of difficulties, a lot of heartache. And that's what we're seeing take place here. But Abraham could have easily said, you know what, Sarah's just being emotional right now. I'm just going to chill out. I'm going to let this pass. She'll get over it with time. But God comes along and God says, no, Abraham, this is is what needs to take place. Verse 12. But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. And that's probably the most underlined verse in women's Bibles, I'd imagine. Wives' verses. Just kidding. It's, it's actually not bad advice at all. In fact, I'm surprised how, much, how often my wife's voice sounds like the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's great advice, guys. More often than not, you really should listen to your wives. You know, they, they see things from a different angle. And often wives have that discernment radar up, like like on a level that husbands don't operate, okay? So husbands, it's, it's, it's a good thing to hear your wives out. Listen to what they have to say. Um, so again, 
He says, whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So again, viewing this with the typology given in Galatians, with what God is intending to illustrate with all of this, God is speaking something very clearly to us and to Abraham. He's telling Abraham, look, you cannot maintain a position for the son of the flesh. This is your work in the flesh, you, you trying to help me out, representing religion of works. You cannot maintain this position for the, the son of the flesh and have Isaac, the son of the heir. It's, you cannot have both. You must cast out the son of the flesh in order to fulfill all that needs to be fulfilled for the heir. What is, this, what is this saying to you and to me? God is speaking very clearly, saying you cannot maintain a, re- a religion of works and just have Jesus on the side. You can't be one of these people who says, well, I'm a good person. I do this, 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 and that. Oh, and I also believe in Jesus. It does not work that way. It's incompatible. You are either saved by grace through, through faith in Christ or you're not saved at all. So many people lean on the whole scales and balances. Well, as long as my good outweigh my bad, as long as my good works outweigh my bad works, I'm going to get in. So many people think that way, not realizing the standard of heaven is perfection if you want to get in on your own efforts. You cannot have both. They are incompatible. And what's interesting is that In all the world, guys, every single religion in the world can be boiled down to two categories. Just two. Category number one, a religion of works. Rules that you have to keep, things you must do, ways in which you earn God's approval or earn heaven or earn get to nirvana or whatever the goal is of that particular faith. Every single religion falls into that category with the exception of one. And that is biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is the only religion you will find in the class, in the category of grace. Meaning you can never work hard enough to earn the holiness, but God has freely supplied it to you through the work of Jesus Christ. God has loved you enough to pay the the sin debt for you so that you simply receive it as a gift. There is no other faith in the world that is like that. And I hope you see that. I hope you realize that. Biblical Christianity. And God is making it clear to us through the illustration of Ishmael and Isaac that we are not going to heaven because of works or rules that we keep. We will only enter His kingdom through the Son of Promise through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. That's our only hope. The Bible says, not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to His mercies He has saved us. And that's amazing. It's such, that's good news. Guys, if I were to stand up here and tell you, you have to do this, 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 and that to, be, to, be, to go to heaven. Number one, I'd be like every other religion out there. And sad to say, there are many versions of Christianity that have lumped themselves back into the pile of religion of works. Not all Catholics, but many Catholics have put themselves in, well, I'm saved because I take baptism. I'm saved because I keep the sacraments. You just lumped yourself back into a religion of works. Um, Many uh, Jehovah's Witness Mormons, it's about about working and earning God's approval. Sabbatarians, 
It's because I keep the Sabbath that I'm saved. You're just, you're just putting yourself back. You're looking like every other religion that's out there. It's just a religion of works. That's not good news, guys. It's not good news for me to tell you, keep these rules and maybe, maybe you'll get in. I'll give you a pat on the back. I'll say a prayer for you. Maybe God will let you in. That is not good news. The good news is Jesus paid the price for our sins and that whoever would believe in Him, would trust in Him, would follow Him as, as Lord and Savior, they have eternal life. You have it guaranteed to you. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. And I think it's interesting too, guys, that Isaac, the son of promise, his name means laughter. Because it's true that when you realize you understand the grace of God and the simplicity of salvation, it really does just bring joy. It, it makes you laugh. I remember having a conversation with my uncle. He's a, he's a huge spiritual mentor for me. And he was just telling me about one of his private, his quiet times. He's like, it, he said it was so sweet. I was just sitting back in my chair and just thinking about how simple salvation is. How, how, how simple God has made just the walk of faith. It's not always easy, but it's so simple. And he said, I just had to sit back and laugh at the love of God. Not scoff at it, but enjoy it. Receive it. Understand, now, this is amazing. Grace is amazing. May we never get tired of singing about amazing grace. May that never become cliche. Because it is. It's incredible. Ishmael's name, however, means what? Do you guys remember? It means the God who sees. God is watching. And I think that speaks something to us as well. If you're trying to get in according to the flesh, if you're trying to enter into heaven according to your own works, you're thinking that the good will outweigh the bad. As I said before, you have to be perfect. You can't fail anywhere. And understand that God is watching. God sees. There is no secret kept from God. The Bible says that nothing is hidden from His sight. All things lay open and bare before Him. God sees more than Santa Claus sees, guys. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's how the song should really go. We should rewrite it maybe this next year and include it in one of our worship sets. But it's true, guys. And all who attempt to enter heaven by their own works will find themselves in a place they don't want to find themselves. You want to be judged according to your works? Then you will be judged according to your works. There's a place called the great white throne judgment. And everyone who wants to hash it out with God will, be, will stand at that judgment throne. Everyone who wants to get in because of things they did will stand before the great white throne judgment and the Bible says the books will be opened. Everything that that person ever did in life was written down. And all the sins will be read aloud. And everyone who is found in that line will be judged according to what is written. And there is no escape. You do not want to find yourself before the great white throne judgment. And if you're trusting in works, guys, stop playing games. Stop. Stop. Get out of that rat race. And simply receive the Son of Promise. Jesus is your only hope. As it says, cast out the bondservant and, and the son of the bondservant and receive the Son of Promise.